Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast, where I interview leaders in allied healthcare, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to financial independence. Welcome to the Therapist on Fire podcast. I'm excited to be here with Erica and Michael, and they are trying to really help the healthcare profession in terms of burnout. Their website is called Joy Energy Time, and they have multiple things going on to really help address burnout. They have a podcast called Burnout to Lit Up, as well as a course that you can take called Bash the Burnout for Healthcare. Thank you, Erica and Michael, for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I have a ton of questions about so many things, but let's just get started first with how did you even come up with this business idea and how did you get started? Um, Well, it started completely on accident. (laughs) Um, It was something that I never would have considered being an entrepreneur, never had any sort of business training or anything to that degree. So I just graduated school and just expected to work in a clinical job for the rest of my life. And I was happy with that. Um, You know, along my journey being an OT, the first few years of being an OT, I experienced burnout myself firsthand. And it was just a really confusing time in my life, really painful, going through a lot of identity, uh, going through an identity crisis and going through everything that burnout (laughs) entails, like in terms of um, exhaustion, cynicism, uh, just low confidence and efficacy, and then a lot of different work factors, and going through all of that, even afterwards, where I was able to recover from that, um, I began teaching as an adjunct professor and balance my schedule between working clinically and then teaching. And over time, just um, listening to a lot of different podcasts and reading a lot of books on personal and professional development, I got to this idea slowly over time that, oh, oh, like light bulb, like a light bulb went off. Like I can help people with what I went through because no one seems to be really, um, talking about it necessarily, um, in for, for therapists. And I feel, I feel like I'm just turning that problem I had into, um, a business and and an idea to help other people that are going through the same thing. Definitely. Well, I think businesses that actually help people are going to be the most successful businesses out there. Um, So you have your course, Bash the Burnout for Healthcare. How did you learn the the tips, the the ideas for creating the course? And and how did you go through those modules? Yeah, that was a, a interesting process because when we first came up with the idea of joy energy time um we were on a flight to a wedding (laughs) and we just came up with this business idea and we knew we were going to help people through courses but the whole evolve like involvement of this um course was really just okay what is burnout and then i went to a course actually on burnout that was like a, a continuing education course and i realized that I wasn't satisfied with what they were teaching. And I felt like there's something missing. They're telling you like, you need to take a vacation <laughs> and, um, which is not wrong, but I'm like, there's much more to this. And I could see people leaving still dissatisfied. Like, wh- like where's the real problem in burnout? So that's what led to me getting into some heavy research. And Mike uh, was really helpful. And we researched together and just really um, going into all of the things that can contribute to burnout from like a a personal individual level to an organizational level and really addressing it from all aspects. And then we decided that, well, a continuing education course would be 
beneficial because people can have their cake and eat it too. They can learn how to, you know, um, improve their personal and professional efficacy, but also get continuing ed credits towards it. So we're like, it's a win-win situation. That's great. Um, How did you go about like getting approved for continuing education credits? Um, well, that's like, it's actually a lot easier than, than, than we made it out to than be. you think it's, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it depends on what state you're in, obviously, because every state has different requirements and that's, that's the annoying part about it. But, um, you know, for Florida, at least it was, uh, I don't know if, um, you use CE broker at all. Uh, I, I don't, I haven't created any continuing education course. No, 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 I'll, no, I mean, I'll like be for like um for keeping track of your like hours or anything like oh i just have medbridge and you know that's like one big online portal that i can use and it's got your online and your live courses okay Um, well maybe yeah i mean there was um it's basically like a pretty clear-cut like you know step process on ce broker at least for certain states where they're like okay you got to go to this website you got to submit some course materials and you have to have certain things like you have to have like you know the curriculum and you have to have certain parts of it that they, you know, want. And, and then basically they just review it and you pay money and, and if they like it, you get approved. And it took what, a couple uh, months. Uh, yeah. The, well, the thing about the continuing education is that every state, every profession is very different. Um, and for OT, you have AOTA, which is, um, there's 33 states that are AOTA providers. And I'm in Florida, which Florida is, is of course, unique in its approach. Um, So it's like, it's just knowing. So we knew in Florida, we had to go through CE broker. Not every state has that um, requirement, but it is a requirement of Florida. So just following that process, doing some research. And for, for Florida PT, we had to submit through CE broker as well. But then for PTs in California, it was a totally different process. And it's just like, it it could be overwhelming to think about, oh my goodness, like, where am I even going to start? Spreadsheets. Yeah, spreadsheets. (laughs) And just knowing like the the red tape around AOTA and APTA. Um, But it's, it's, it's a process, but it's, you know, don't let it get overwhelming for you. (laughs) So for those looking to make their own um, continuing education courses, uh, so you need to, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that for every state you would need to apply separately. Um, Well, actually even, so some of the states, like if you go to my website and you see what states were quote unquote approved for, many of those states outside of Florida don't have um, pre-approvals for, you know, they just, they just need a certificate. They may audit you. So it really depends on the state. If it's a non-AOTA state in some states, you're, if it's AOTA, you're kind of stuck because then, um, I don't quite remember exactly, but it's like, you have to provide, they have their own rules and regulations, which are pretty more like limiting. So, but for, for APTA, that's dependent on the state you're, you're in, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it really depends. And it's like, you have to go to the board's website and just look at it. That's really the only thing because there's no one good rule. I mean, like, um, you know, like, like she was saying, it just, it's sometimes you, you have to like, yeah, I mean, just exactly what you said, but it's, um, it's just all different and that's, that's what makes it hard, but it's, it's easy once you break it down. 
Okay. So you go to, just to summarize, so you would go to each state's um, professional board's website, and mm-hmm. then there should be some sort of... Um, like for you know, providers or something. Or for or... providers. Okay. And then that would have sort of like a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And then for every state, pretty much you would have to do that same thing, make sure you you covered all your bases. And then that's even different between professions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, sure. Like your course is... Um, Ford provided as continued education units for OT and PT. So you guys had to do all of that separately. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, certain states too, it's like, you know, we're, we're approved for some OT states and and then, yeah. uh, you know, some PT states and then like, there's not necessarily an overlap. And in fact, a lot of the OT states were, were approved for, for our particular course, like she said, just didn't have requirements. Like the, the individual clinician has to just keep a record that they took some courses just in case they get audited and you don't even have to, you don't always get audited. So you may, you may never have to show any, you know, um, proof, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So do you, do you think that PTs to make a CEU course for PTs is a little bit harder than OTs? Um, Actually, yes, because um, when I was talking to one of uh, the CEU agencies that I'm working with, she gave me the down low on, um, you know, for, for OT, it's a lot more comprehensive or like, it's a lot, it's easier because you have OTA, but then for PT, she's like, it's an individual state battle type of thing. And it's, it's a lot harder. Um, so that's what, that's what I knew, but it was good that someone else that has been in this business for like 20 years summarized that for me. Definitely. So, so speaking of that, I wanted to get to that question as well. Like I know that you're independently um, providing this course, but you're also speaking with, you know, other providers and, and for people wanting to make their own course, how do you go about connecting with these providers and how do you go about like getting into their system? Oh, um, that's a good question. So when I developed this course, I realized that I have no audience or very small audience and I'm not a renowned CEU provider that people go to and trust, you know, just yet. So I figured, okay, well, I have this course, I have this information. And at first I thought it would be really daunting, but I just sent an email, like I did a Google search and I sent an email maybe to 20 different um, agencies and some of them never got back to me. A handful got back to me. And um, right now I'm in the process of working with four different agencies, um, setting up courses for them. But what I have realized in this process is that someone, like no one told me this before, but you know, every agency is going to most likely require that they own the intellectual rights of the course. Mm-hmm. So what I'm basically doing is uh, crafting um, courses for each agency that they can own, but, you know, I'm taking it from my base, my knowledge base of information, but I'm just like creating four unique courses, basically of of the same, but but related. Yeah. So that's been an interesting challenge. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's interesting to know. So, so can you still sell your course uh, as yourself and then also have it in another provider, but it just has to be like a little bit different? Yeah. 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 And they, they clarified that they said, um, you know, you can still have your course on your site the way you sell it. And then for, for them, I would, you know, it would be a different title, just maybe different requirements. I'm fulfilling, you know, some course contracts I have with different agencies are two hours or four hours or, or, you know, so each, each, each um, agency has its own flexibility and structure. So it's been kind of easy in that sense, but it's been also like, if you want to get into this realm of, of going through agencies, the pros are, they have that base of, of a, 
um, therapists. So it's like that marketing, they take it off of your hands and that's what their role is. So that's the good thing. And it's just the time consuming thing is, okay, just making sure that you create valuable content that aligns with their requirements and that they can own, you know. Yeah. So looking back, would you, looking back, would you have chosen to do it your way and have an independent course or would you have chosen to go directly to a provider? What, what would you recommend to people thinking about trying to get into this business? That's a great question. If I would have known, I, um, I would have gone back and told myself, don't create your own course first. Reach out to agencies and offer to create courses for them first. Um, it took us so much time. It, it's been, t- yeah, it's just it this took whole- us almost a year to make our own course and only to realize that, oh, okay, maybe going to these retailers is probably a better choice because they have a lot more distribution like capacity than us. So, yeah. And I had this rule in my head or this, I guess not because I didn't know. I just thought that I had to be a provider first before approaching these people. And that's not true at all. Like you could just be anyone. I mean, not anyone, but you can, you know, (laughs) you don't have to be, I thought I had to have those numbers. Like I am a CEU provider of Florida in order to be able to approach those people. But like, you don't need that. And some of them thought that that some of them were surprised that I, w- I was a provider already I- independently because they're like, wow, you went through all that work. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I just thought I had to do that first, but you don't have to. But do you think it was a little bit of an advantage that you were like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I don't have a name. Yes, I'm not some, you know, expert with this, 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 but I already have a course. I already have implemented everything. Do you think that got you through the door a little bit easier? Maybe. Um, it could, maybe. Legitimized uh, us a little bit, maybe. I, yeah, I haven't seen that it's been an absolute direct benefit. But when I tell them that, I think it maybe gives us a little bit of cre- credibility that maybe, oh, like, I can see that they're impressed when I tell them this. And and they it's a little bit of credibility. So I'm not saying it was a waste of time, but it's definitely like we, we're taking the way longer road, you know? <laughs> Well, I love the fact, and this is what's so awesome about this podcast and what everyone in like the whole alternative and non-clinical careers is doing is that you essentially made yourself all of a sudden be like a CU provider or however you want to term it. Like you created this whole new job, which is so awesome. And I applaud you for having the guts the to email. I, well, I know I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't know how PC you want your podcast to be. <laughs> Beep. No, I'm kidding. Um, So I have a couple more questions though. If you don't mind, um, can you sort of share like the commission? How are they going about? Because I think a lot of people wonder like, are Mm -hmm. they going to take all of the profits? How do you, how do they make that, that cost for you? Yeah, that, that's interesting um, because each agency has their own uh, complete separate thing. So for one of them, um, one of the bigger companies that has an unlimited subscription, like you get all, all these courses for a set, like a fixed price. So for that agency, they're just paying me one time to do the course and no royalties are coming after, but their pay for those two hours is pretty high. Whereas for another agency, um, the pay for me presenting this, and this is live, like these will be live webinars that I've agreed to do for these agencies. Okay. And so for one of them, it's a slower um, rate for doing it live, but every quarter I get a commission from um, someone that purchased the course. And then for other agencies, um, it's not 
live. Um, it's recorded and it is an 80, 20 rule. Um, and there's, so I, you, you know, for people listening, they might be thinking, well, she's maybe getting the short end of the stick or, um, anything like that, because for all this work you would expect more, but I'm so new to this. I have nothing to compare this experience with. And I know that right now it's not necessarily about getting 100% commission. Um, I wouldn't even expect that, but it's about just the distribution and building and building. I know this is a long haul um, process. So any opportunity that seems like a right fit for exposure and working with these agencies, I know that it's going to help me in the long run and I'm going to get to where I'm going. I just need to always take these steps first and maybe a year from now or two, I'm distributed um, in way more places or like, who knows, like these are opportunities that I'm looking for. So, you know, regardless of like the, our agreement, if it's a right fit, I feel like I'm going to go for it. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that's the perfect, perfect mindset. You know, think of it like, um, you know, making a movie, you're not going to get like the blockbuster movie. You're not going to be a millionaire and make like Jurassic Park right away. No, you're going to make like a B level movie and then yeah. you move up the ranks. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like a bad comparison, but, <laughs> but, but it's, that's exactly it. You're so right is get in and then build the name within all of these different companies. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll have burnout course number two, burnout mm-hmm. course number three. And then the more people come to your course, you can then go back and renegotiate and be like, hey, I've got thousand people barking up the door to get this course. Right. Now I want this. So I, I agree hundred percent. You can't go in being like, I demand this, you know, you have to build the name for yourself. Um, yeah. So I think that's the right mindset. And for anyone listening, you just say yes to these opportunities. It's a learning experience. It's a growing experience. And then you can build from there. Um, at the end of the day too, it's like 20% of something is better than hundred percent of nothing. If we can't distribute the course and sell it, I mean, yeah, we're getting hundred percent of any sale we make, but we're not making yeah. that many sales. Yeah. So 20% is like, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love reoccurring revenue too. Yeah. Um, one webinar and you're getting, what was that 20%? I will take 20%. Yeah. yeah. If I only have to do it once and then like 20% and you don't have to market, you don't right. have- anything you yeah, you don't even have right. to have a website or anything oh my goodness i'm about to go try to make some courses <laughs> now them. <laughs> yeah that's the passive income that i'm working on setting up yeah you know? go girl <laughs> um so you know one question about this though i always look at these videos and their videography is so professional how uh, how does that compare do they have someone come in or how do you even go about being competitive with these high end um, you know, graphics and things. Um, for in, in terms of our own course on our website or working with other agencies? Um, working with the agencies, you know, oh. whenever I watch like a course on MedBridge, it looks like they have like multiple camera angles and, oh, really? you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's nice. I mean, not all their courses are as, are as like 4k HD and things like that. But just the, the professionalism of these courses mm-hmm. is so much higher than like I could make per se from one, you know, digital camera. I don't know if you've noticed that or if, if they've talked with you about that. Oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't worked or haven't seen that um, sort of high quality work because the, the CEUs that I've taken online and the ones I've seen are just, um, like a PowerPoint and a voiceover. And, um, I haven't seen anything like, 
as cool I guess as I'm you thinking described. of the, I think I'm thinking of like more the manual videos, you uh-huh. know, have oh. like manual techniques, but yeah. for the healthcare I, burnout, I, I guess it's mean. more, you're more talking. And so you can do a PowerPoint. Right. So that wouldn't quite be as, be as high end. That makes yeah. For sense. ours, it's like, I don't think our, our face is in the course pretty much at all. It's a, like, it's really just a voiceover for slides. Cause we're not really showing anything clinical. So, yeah. you know, but you're right. I mean, if we had to show us, it would be like the worst backdrop ever in like <laughs> our little apartment, you know, and like unmade bed and stuff like that. <laughs> I make the bed, Mike. Yeah, you're oh. actually, he, he, it's funny that you say that because I'm in my bedroom and my yeah. bedroom is unmade and my <laughs> computer right on. Pretty much. Yeah. We would have to like put like a, a sheet, a nice sheet behind us or something or, or what. But yeah, we haven't had that problem yet. I mean, and I'm sure like I'm thinking, just thinking out loud, if I were to, if it were a course that required more of that, like hands-on or I don't know, I think from what I've seen you take, Mike, I've seen like all these people have the same sort of backdrop. Maybe there's a studio or something so, like I'm, we're just not aware I think of that wood on backdrop. The I want yeah. the wood backdrop. I think you just go and get like a big crate mahogany. and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, for most of them that I've seen, if they're just lecturing, like if they're not demonstrating yeah. something, they, they really just have like, it's almost always like a solid color backdrop or something, something like they hung up like a black, like, I mean, I think for the CEUs I've taken, I mean, like a, just a black like wall or black sheet or something. It's like, that's probably something we could get away with. Okay. Okay. Now, another big question I have so many people, uh, I mean, I, I really do think people want to make these courses and people obviously are interested in manual skills and other skills, but we've talked about this non-clinical skills, burnout, um, you know, for me, student loans, there are other topics that are so important to healthcare professionals around the world. And I really think that they need to start allowing these to be continuing education units. Did you feel in terms of you discussing burnout, was there any pushback that this wasn't clinical um, from either the APTA, OAOT, or from these providers? Um, Well, when I took that course on burnout, I think it was two years ago or a year ago, um, it was my evidence that this course, like this topic is sought after. And I used that as data. Like I saw there was a ton of people that attended that course and it was just beating burnout in healthcare. And um, that got me thinking, oh, like this is something that seems to be taboo, but it's starting to we're starting to bust the myths around it. And um, whenever I mention burnout or anything like anything about burnout, um, people are instantly, they gravitate towards it. And I think it's filling in the gap of, you know, you don't learn about this in school. You learn all the clinical things in school, but it's the things that we don't learn in school that we're not prepared for that shape our professional identities. And, and it's hard to uh, pull apart work from life, you know, because it's, the work-life balance thing, it's just an illusion. It was something made up um, in the 80s, but it's really talking about, okay, how you feel at work, just it goes beyond how you feel. It, it affects everything, your, your work and your home life. So um, just talking about burnout and using all, there's so much evidence, um, so much research on how it affects you personally and professionally that um, I'm just surprised that... Um, you know, that we're just starting to like take it more seriously now. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have any problem. I don't think like, I don't think anyone came to us and we're like, Hey, we don't, we're not really interested because this isn't clinical. Cause it, it, it has a clear application to daily clinical life. Um, 
So, and a lot of the descriptions, you know, like if you try to get approved for a certain state, you know, they, they have a statute where you can go on and read and it'll say what qualifies as continuing education course. And it's like, it's, it's purposefully ambiguous, I think, because they want to leave the option open for like, if someone like us comes along where it's not clearly like traditional CEU that they can go ahead and approve it. And that's been the case so far. So I'm pretty happy with that. In fact, I would take one from you. If you want to do one about loan and like financial management, it's like, I don't see why they wouldn't approve that for credit because that's a pretty clear, you know what I mean? It's a clear problem that people would take courses for. So yeah, I think people just care. I think people bottom line, they want to know how it impacts that they're them clinically. So as long as you can make that tie, whatever the subject is that it will impact you clinically. And also like maybe even take a step further, how it will impact your care with patients as, yeah. as burnout will, as I'm sure there's a tie between debt and, you know, I'm sh- burnout and stress and patient care. So I'm sure like, as long as you make that tie, then you're good to go. Oh yeah. Cause you know, it, it's before I got on the phone and, and discussed everything with you, I did a little bit of research about applying for a continuing education unit and it seemed so focused on clinical care. Mm. And in my mind I was going, Yes, it's important to treat patients, but what about like the lifestyle as physical therapists, as OTs? Like, what about protecting ourselves? What about like how we can be clinicians for 10, 20 years? And it got me really frustrated that I I couldn't find like any courses, any information on this, because I think that's just as important as learning how to do a spinal manipulation. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just as important. And I think that that in these times where you have reduced reimbursements, increased productivity, increased burnout, people are leaving like droves from the medical field. More than ever, we need these courses. We need this education. Yeah, I, I had that fear too when we applied for our first you know state. It was OT in Florida. And I was like, ugh. I, it was in the back of my mind. It was like, maybe they won't approve it. Yeah. And really at the end of the day, it's like, doesn't cost that much money to just apply. I mean, just throw it out there and see if they approve it. Because if they do, then it'll just like snowball with this legitimacy. Like you already have this state. And then the next state who looks at it might be like, okay, well, this state did. So I might as well. In fact, some of the some of the legislation actually that I read for, for different states was like, if you're approved for another state for your course, we'll approve it. Like it was like an automatic like in. Okay. For, for, for some of them. So it just depends. Yeah. But yeah, that, that fear turned out to be really unfounded. And actually when we were looking, we were looking at nursing, for example, uh, we want, our idea would, our goal is to get our course into as many healthcare professionals as possible. And we were looking into nursing in California because right now we're in California and they, as of this moment of the recording, they have a rule that um, for nursing educational, uh, continuing educational credits, no self-care or any of or personal care were like is considered. And they were very explicit. They put in parentheses, yoga, mindfulness, and I'm thinking, okay, this is um, the complete opposite, you know, because it's, because there are studies that specifically about nursing and there's a ton of studies about 
nursing more so than therapists actually, um, you know, how mindfulness has directly impacted patient satisfaction. And so like, I just don't understand it's, it must be this old school thinking where talking about anything that's non-clinical doesn't matter. But I mean, there's so much evidence out there to suggest otherwise. And I think you bring up such a good point, Erica, is I think you and Michael growing your voice with this and there's other people, you know, starting to speak up about this, that maybe those rules, those guidelines can be updated because yeah. I think that it is so, so old and it needs to be modernized. Like the needs of healthcare professionals are 10 times different than what they were before. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's a, yeah. it's a patient care issue really, yeah. because it's, it's not just the fact that the clinician feels burnt out or the clinician like doesn't, you know, feel super stoked about what they're doing currently anymore. It's like the the patient care suffers and there's clear data that shows that too. So it's like if these boards really cared about the effectiveness of their nurses, like they would, they would look into self-care and they would approve courses like that because I mean, it just makes sense. So, yeah. Well, I've, I want to switch gears and go to burnout um, and talk a little bit more specifically about that than the course and CUs, but is there any last um, tips or advice you would give people interested in pursuing this route? Um, I just, um, my biggest advice would be to not be afraid of no, um, because you're going to get it. Yeah. Or you're going to get people that don't care or you're, you're, you're going to get no responses, um, but I think if you're tenacious just with it and you understand that this can be a long-term strategy that can continue to snowball for you, just don't be afraid to start small. You know, just start start mm-hmm. small and and take it one course, one agency, whatever, just whatever it is, take it one thing at a time and then continue from there. But don't think that you're going to make a million dollars off of one course in every state and every board right away. Because I start to think, oh, in the beginning, we can get approved for all of OT and PT and then nursing and speech. And it's just one board at a time is all I can handle. So um, <laughs> that's my advice. Yeah, um, yeah and- I, would, I would pretty much mirror that, okay. that same sentiment. It's like, and also, you know, you got to think about that you don't you don't, you know, you can make one course and still be a clinician. In fact, a lot of people do that. And it's like, I, I know so many PTs that are super knowledgeable in specific areas that would just really help others. And they would, they would make a lot of money if they just share some of the knowledge that they had and like, just you know, getting over the, the, the fear, I guess, of like having to go through and get approved and stuff. That's, you know, that's well, not I think that you, yeah. you guys are one of the few people that have broken through. So I, I hope that people listen to this and know that they can break through. And if they have a creative idea or maybe a unique idea that, that you know, doesn't hurt to just email a couple companies and, and see and see what they say. And, you know, I was as you were talking, I was thinking as well that, you know, I've seen continuing education courses where they haven't been approved officially for other states but yet they say it's fine, still take that. And you as the um, course taker can then apply for your own units in that perspective state. So, you know, for people thinking about taking Eric and Michael's burnout course and, you know, they haven't been officially approved yet in, you know, whatever state that you're in, still take it, still look at that, keep the, the yeah. certificate, and then you yourself... 
yeah. you know, if you get audited or anything can show that they are approved provider, maybe not in that state, but that will often, you know, 90% of the time count. Cause you know, a lot of people, a lot of big providers have that where they're not approved officially for every state either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I don't want people to be d- deterred. And even for, for people asking you guys, you know, can you take this course? I'm in, you know, New Jersey or something. Um, I think that's, you know, some, some education that you can provide to those, you know, people interested. Um, so speaking of burnout, so you guys are a really unique couple because Michael, you're a PT and Erica, you're an OT. Have you noticed that burnout is different between professions? And if so, how is it different? I think more so than professions, I think it differs by the setting. Um, and I've seen, I've had field works in inpatient rehab and then outpatient pediatrics. And I've worked in outpatient um, for my entire career. And I just think that it's more so um, a product of the environment. Um, and I think each profession has its own set of stressors. Some overlap and some are distinct. And that comes... Um, for example, an, an anesthesiologist that's burning out or maybe burning out for different um, specific factors than an OT would. But at the end of the day, burnout is still the same. It's just a matter of what were the fa- factors in the environment that offset it. Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Michael? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, um, like she said, it, it, it all depends on the specific profession. For PT, I mean, I think a lot of it is um, financial. I think the transition to the DPT program was a poor one, a very uh, misguided decision. Um, And I think just having that extra year looming over the heads, you know, debt-wise for a lot of people, it makes them question kind of what they did. And that questioning, you know, their place and their profession really kind of starts to eat away at people. In addition to the fact that, hey, you got an extra huge bill every month that you have to deal with. So that's, that's not easy for people. I think another thing about it is management in healthcare isn't always someone who's been to business school or have traditional management training. A lot of times it's just um, someone like, you know, a normal low level clinician who was just like a good enough worker to get promoted enough times to a level where they now have to be a policymaker and deal with people and like solve these problems and stuff. And it's like, they don't necessarily know how to do that. So you, so you get into, you know, management kind of issues, um, where they might not be taking their employees' opinion into account as much, or it's like not as good of a team approach or something like that. So, um, those kind of factors too, I think, I think that's a, that's a big part of it, but you know, again, all the professions are, are different. So, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, burnout is burnout no matter who you are. And, and I mean, everyone's situation is different and everyone handles stress differently. So, you know, you can't really compare my burnout to your burnout to other yeah, people's burnout. Yeah. Um, the thing that scares me the most about burnout is that people are thinking that if they transition into other similar healthcare professions, that somehow they'll escape this. Hmm. And I just, that just worries me because I see people thinking about, you know, becoming nurses or becoming OTs from PTs and, and, um, yeah, that's interesting because all the problems are, are really similar yeah. in, in the industry. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I haven't heard that as much, but I mean, Hey, that's no, there are some people in my OT class that 
decided that they wanted to do nursing. There's like one girl that dropped out to go pursue nursing. And then other people in my class were talking about uh, nursing, but I, I'm not sure. But that just came from, from what I remember, it just came from, you know, people expected OT to be one way, but when you get to school, it's totally not most of the times what you observe when you complete your hours of observation. So people just second guess their choices. Yeah, I think managing expectations. I was talking to someone about that too. And and it's funny how, oh, I know what it was. It was um, you know, a, a kid, a volunteer, and he was asking about PT. And I said, the number one thing is to actually observe real life situations. If whatever position it is, if you want to be a nurse or a PT or a PTA, don't read U.S. news and think mm-hmm. because it's top 10, it's top yeah. 10. Right. <laughs> Which I don't know how it keeps getting up there. <laughs> I don't know how either. But actually work in that environment because you're so right. I think we, we, I mean, we had some internship experience, of course, to be able to get in most, most places have those requirements. But managing expectations, I think the fairy tale doesn't always match with, with what it really is. But, you know, positive note. Um, so before we end this amazing podcast, you've shared so much about continuing education. And I was just wondering if you guys had any tips or, you know, advice you would give to people suffering from burnout. Uh, it's funny. I actually wrote um, an episode for my podcast today um, about how to recover from it. So it's really fresh. Um, just talking about if someone is burned out tips for like what to do. And um, I think there's, there's no, it's kind of like asking also like what, what are tips for recovering from depression or anxiety? It's like one of those phenomenons or syndromes that is, um, it's so, there could be so many different possibilities and, and, it manifests differently in so many people, but it ultimately comes down to you're exhausted. Um, you feel distant from either your job or the profession entirely. And then you have low self-efficacy. You don't feel like your work is important or you don't feel like you're, you're valued or, you know, so I think the, one of the things that you can do in recovering from burnout is to take what I, what I what happened to me and in both of my instances where two different jobs experienced burnout for totally different reasons, but ultimately I had to take a day off. I had to regroup mentally, just recheck, check in with myself. And I think one of the greatest things, one of the most important things, although this, not, this may not solve your burnout is, and it's not going to solve anything in life, but practicing awareness of what it is that you want in life. I think a lot of us just blindly, you know, like we go into this profession for a reason because we really care about helping people. And it's not that we're unconscious or anything, but I think a lot of us just blindly follow these paths that we think we're supposed to do or or we're supposed to be in or get this job because it has great benefits. But are we really taking into account, okay, am I truly satisfied professionally? Maybe there's other positions out there maybe um, that are quote unquote more risky, or maybe I'm more, I'm better suited for per diem work, or maybe, you know, I think a lot of us, we kind of ignore our internal cues and we just kind of fall into maybe what it is that is expected. So I just think, um, you know, if you're recovering or you're right in the middle of feeling all these things, it's time to uh, take a day or a moment or just re be able to really regroup and practice awareness and ask yourself some really deep questions. Like, am I, are my values aligning with my company? You know, is this something that 
it's just a quick or not quick, but like a temporary problem? Um, or is this something that is, goes much deeper and I need to reassess where I'm at? Or maybe there's, if, if I did this one tweak at work with my coworkers, maybe the flow would be so much better. You know, there's so many different things you need to look at, but I think it comes from first just developing awareness and getting real with yourself and what it is that you can do to uh, help yourself move forward. Yeah, uh, definitely all of that, <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, and, and I'll, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself some really hard questions. You know, you have to break down your work day and be like, what sucks about my day so much that I don't want to do it anymore? And you have to decide what those things are. And you really have to attack those things specifically. If you're, if it's your schedule, if you're doing too many hours, you might have to go per diem. Or if it's that you don't take enough time off, you got to do that. And if it's like, oh, you just are butting heads with a coworker or something, it's like, I don't know, maybe you, you have to get on different shifts or you got to manage it some way. So it's like there's the multifaceted kind of problem that uh, you need a multifaceted solution for. Um, of course, in addition to listening to our bur- podcasts, <laughs> burnt out to it up, <laughs> that'll help you as well. Well, shameless plug. <laughs> no, no, plug away, plug away. Um, well, is there any last uh, advice you would give to healthcare professionals, either, you know, um, professionally, entrepreneurship wise, or from a burnout uh, perspective? I have something really okay, quick. Um, you both I have get a f- one. Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have an OT friend and she um, told me that I have inspired her to think of doing something non, non-clinically. And she's like, for me, it's not going to trans, it's not going to look like a whole new career, but it's going to be something on the side and it's going to give me meaning, but using my OT skill set. And I think that's, you know, that's powerful because I don't, I feel like many of us don't, even entertain the thought of doing something else with with our skills. And I think if you're a true creative, I know that I'm just a pure creative at heart and I feel like limitless and freedom when I'm doing my own thing. So for me, the the solution was to create a a career for myself. Um, But for other people, it may just be something on the side or it may be um, implementing a program within your, your, your clinic or within your organization, you know, and it's like, it looks different for everyone, but knowing that you are more than just a clinician, knowing that you can do more with your skills other than going to, to work and not feeling guilty about it is, is really freeing. Yeah. I think it's, it's finding what lights you up inside. It's finding what makes you happy doing whatever it is that you're doing. And for some people that's, that's going to work nine to five and then coming home and having a home life and, and doing that whole thing. And that's, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Yeah. A lot but, of people tell us they would never do what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's great. You know, you do what you, you do like you do you. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, whatever it is, you have to figure it out as soon as possible because one day you're going to wake up and you're 55, 60 years old, nearing retirement age, and you're going to realize you wasted several decades of your life doing something you don't want to do. So it's like, you just, you have to figure it out. And then as soon as you figure it out, it's, it's easy, you know, because I mean, for me, it's like working on our business gives me a lot more purpose than I used to have. And it makes me excited to, to, to do these things. It's like, you know, it's a Sunday right now. It's like most people are hanging out and, getting laundry done and doing these things like we're working, you know, but, but we, we, we're doing it because we like it. And that's, that's what you have to do. Bottom line. 
I like a great answers. And I agree a hundred percent with everything that you guys just said, you know, find something that you're passionate about, find something that's going to revigorate you, you know, re-energize you. And, and I've done the same thing. I was feeling the burnout and then I just got into travel mentorship and debt mentorship. And, and yes, that, that can be exhausting in itself. I'm not going to lie to everyone, but it's just cool when I get on these podcasts and I talk to amazing people like you guys, like I'm amped right now, you know? <laughs> and so thank you for fighting the good fight. Woo, woo. <laughs> and um, we'll share with everyone uh, the links that they can go to listen to your podcast, as well as to learn more about you guys and the course. Sure. sure. So go to joyenergytime.com. Um, that's where that's where we're at, where we, you can find everything. Um, on Instagram, it's joy.energy.time. Um, and we also have an Instagram just for our podcast, Burnt Out to Lit Up Altogether. And um, our, our podcast, Burnt Out to Lit Up, is anywhere. Um, yeah, iTunes. Anywhere you can get it. Yeah. YouTube, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iTunes, everywhere you can get podcasts. Yeah. Awesome. And the course you can find there too. That's on, yeah, your, on the website. On the mm-hmm. website too. For sure. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, Erica and Michael. I look forward to you gotta share with everyone when when your course gets on any of those big providers. Feel free to share it. Um mm-hmm. and I'm excited to take this course too. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, thank, you. thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Therapist on Fire podcast. You can get the show notes to every episode as well as any freebies or bonuses mentioned by visiting debtfreept.com slash podcast. Debt Free PT provides amazing free mentorship programs and resources on travel therapy, debt management, and alternative careers. At debtfreept.com, you can also find many discounts and bonus rewards. Check it out today.